I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to the Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Ineash Brodsky. And I'm David. This is episode number 103. We are recording on February 26th, 2024. We've got some feedback from the last episode. Um, I can't find it right now, but lots of people said nice things about us. Uh, I believe you. That sounds like a thing nice <laughs> people would say. <laughs> because cause they were like, you guys are the Joe Rogan of, uh, pod, of for rationalists, but in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's insulting to Joe Rogan. He can be the Joe Rogan in a good way. But we're the Joe Rogan for rationalists. Okay, good. He's the Joe Rogan for, you know... Normies. Yeah, the people who pay him money. (laughs) Yeah, he's like the, you know, the popular one. Yeah. He's the Joe Rogan for everyone. We're the Joe Rogan for the small niche community. Yeah. Who uh, all listen to us, but uh, still still are not going to equal his numbers. Yeah, but we get stuff out of it. Sometimes we get invited nice places, and that's always cool. Yeah, plus we, uh, you know, we're constantly influencing policy. Oh, constantly. Like, I mean, Biden specifically just did something that we had told him to do. He did? On this podcast, no less. Are we covering it? I'm sure. Whenever we cover anything he does, it's because we told him to do it. And also NASA, apparently. But we're going to get to that in about uh, seven minutes, I'd guess. All right. Well, then let's get through some of this other shit. Uh, We got a follow-up story. All right. So remember uh, when we said uh, that... The Secretary of Homeland Security was going to get impeached, and they failed the first vote, but then Steve Scalise was going to come back, and they were going to impeach him. I do remember that. They impeached him! Is this a yay moment? And it was... <laughs> no. Oh, okay. It's uh, because it's very stupid, like we covered last time. But the funny part is, they only had like three days to do it, uh, because... Steve Scalise came back the day before Tom Swazi won a special election in New York. Um, so if Swazi came back, he'd vote against it, and then it would be a tie again. So they had to really, like, thread this needle to get Scalise back before Swazi was sworn in. And they did it. And they did it. The bastards did it. <laughs> um, so now we're going to have to have a stupid uh, impeachment trial in the Senate where he's definitely going to get acquitted. Oh. Yeah, so uh little um little inside baseball for the listeners. I currently have a sinus infection which has given me a splitting headache and I feel exhausted even though I've been flat on my back all day. So I don't remember who any of these people are, but <laughs> yay and or boo given however I'm supposed to feel about this. So to be fair, I was just pretending to know who most of the people were. I do remember that the um the Homeland Security guy was getting impeached. I just normally that's what I do too, but I don't have the creative capacity for it right now. Oh no! Uh, Steve Scalise is a Republican congressman who was out to like treat his cancer, I believe. Wes, I... that wasn't exactly an invitation <laughs> for you to explain. Just an observation on my part. Tom Swazi <laughs> is a gentleman who just won a special election in New York uh, by a lot. In a swing district, which uh, lots of people are saying is like, looks good for Democrats in the next election. See, David, this is why you just play along and pretend you know what he's talking about. Do you guys want to hear more about Tom Swazi? <laughs> oh, I want to hear all the things about him. But unfortunately, I am being called away by my dad. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> you better come back because we have an update on the is, Hugo Awards. Hang on. Is Swazi pro-crime or anti-crime? <laughs> oh, you know, I didn't think to ask him. I'm going to guess pro-crime. He seems like a pro-crime guy. 
That's yeah. unfortunate. I mean, he's a Democrat. Spell his name with a W, even though it's pronounced Swazi. So yeah, right? Got to be pro crime. <laughs> he does spell it with two Z's though. So oh, that's fun. actually, that might, he might be a good guy then. I like people with Z's in their name. All right, but anyway, you're going to tell us about the Hugo Awards. <laughs> yes, I was. Uh, we talked last time about how the Hugo Awards um, had released their statistics for the nominations, and it was very apparent that it had been tampered with, that there had been censorship of some sort, because the numbers, first of all, just didn't add up to how many ballots had been cast, and also some obvious people that should have been in the nominees were not included. Um, update on that. We had assumed, like most people, I guess, that it was the Communist Party of China that was directly inter- involved, or at the very least, the people in China who were running this uh, the Chinese Worldcon and were scared of uh, having the Communist Party disappear their family if they didn't do this. Turns out, no. No, it was the Hugo Committee, the, the people in America, the Americans who you would think would maybe want to stand up for free speech and not being censored by dictators who proactively went in there and did the censorship voluntarily telling the guys, hey, you probably don't want to have these people in your nominees because the Chinese authorities may look down on it. Well, that sounds great. Oh, my God. Um, That sounds like a great thing to do. Underrated problem with communism it's well known that they ruin everything they touch, but communists are also often able to ruin things they don't touch as well. <laughs> right. Like when apparently liberal sci-fi nerds uh, go go forth and do their their censoring for them voluntarily, preact preemptively. Uh, this now that this has come out, several board members of the Hugo Committee have stepped down, and at least two authors have said they no longer consider their Hugo uh, wins valid and are returning the awards as best they can. They will not put award winning on any of their novels, and just saying like I, I probably wouldn't even have been a nominee if this if this had been done legit. So, Base. yeah. All right, audience, you have to help me pressure Eniash to start his own sci-fi and fantasy <sighs> awards uh, because I mean what the Hugos are just a joke now I mean they've been losing credibility for a number of years <clears throat> right so you got to do something and I think Eniash is the perfect person to do it that I... is the good capitalist solution to communists ruin- ruining things that they do and or don't touch <laughs> See, I don't think I'm actually a good person for this because you got to read a whole lot to do one of these things well. Um, at least that is my belief. I don't know if these people read all that much. But you read all the Hugo stuff. You post about it every year. Well, yeah, but that's not a whole lot. That's six novels that's and some so short stories. Much. That's so much stuff. <laughs> I read, on average, one to two novels a month, which is not nearly enough to be someone who is on top of the, uh, an entire award field. You could take a month and read 30 novels. But would I want to? Look, just use the mountains and mountains of wealth you'll accumulate from running your actually good fantasy and sci-fi awards to hire people <laughs> to do pre-cultivation for you. <laughs> These things are famous for making so much revenue david <laughs> right <laughs> no that, that no, you can, uh, no you should uh take a note out of peter Thiel's book and uh make it like whatever the writer equivalent of steroids is are allowed and then sell sponsorships <laughs> or whatever that's just adderall and it's already allowed <laughs> that's using chat gpt for some things actually i'll probably make your writing worse right now but once it gets the gpt5 maybe there are ways, I suspect, that you could use 
current iterations of GPTs to improve your writing. It's just not having them, you know, produce actual dialogue and narration. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, we got to move on. Uh, we got another update from the Fonny Willis trial, which is uh, it's actually a Trump trial. But oh, Fonny right. Willis the, was uh, hang on, hang in on. trouble. I think I know this one. This is the yeah. one where uh, the uh, the prosecutor Main prosecutor for the uh, district where this was happening was fucking the special prosecutor that was appointed to avoid conflicts of interest, right? Correct. Nice. All right. <laughs> I so, love it when I remember things because it doesn't happen often. I, I wasn't going to cover this follow-up because there's no, nothing has been decided in the case yet, but it was just such a good story. So there... Fonnie Willis's lawyer is in court uh, arguing to the judge that Fonnie Willis shouldn't have to testify because, you know, the, for whatever reason, she doesn't, he doesn't want her to testify because he's a good lawyer and good lawyers mostly try to keep their clients from having to testify. When Fonnie Willis, like, bursts into the courtroom and is like, I'm here to testify. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I got to say my piece. Um, and proceeded to... Um, to get on the stand, and so the the main conflict of interest here is kind of circuitous. They're like, okay, well, this dude took you out on vacations, and he used the money he got from being the special prosecutor to take you on vacations, so you personally benefited from this, mm. right? And she gets on the stand and is like, well, I didn't personally benefit from this uh, because I paid him back for all those trips and every time we went out because I don't, uh, you know ever want to owe a man the only only man who pays for me is my daddy also isn't she his boss like she would make more than him anyway right yeah yeah she should totally but pay he half did she's the boss. but he did pay for vacations for them okay but she's like well i paid him back and they're like oh okay can can you show us in your bank records where you paid him back she's like no nah, i was in cash <laughs> that's could happen <laughs> could it yeah one, totally one, could. one of these was like four thousand dollars and she's like, that's and she's a, like, you guys, you guys. And she's like, that only sounds suspicious because you're all racist and you don't understand <laughs> that all black people have houses full of cash. <laughs> what? Is she black? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. She's like, she's like, my daddy taught me. She kept saying daddy. It was hilarious. Which is like, my daddy taught me. You always have like six months of bills and cash in your house. Huh. Assuming that this isn't bullshit and she actually has, I assume, tens of thousands to millions of dollars in cash stuffed into her mattress, that's actually pretty based. Yeah. Is that a good assumption to make, though? I'm going to go ahead and guess it's bullshit. Because even if she did pay this dude back in cash, what's he doing with the cash? Why isn't it showing up in his bank account? (laughs) That's a darn good point. Right, like this. I mean, this isn't, obviously, isn't this obviously he also black? So presumably, his daddy also <laughs> taught him to keep a bunch of cash around the house. Well, no, this is specifically because she was a black woman. Oh, I see. That mm-hmm. explains why she learned it from her daddy. Yes, exactly. The uh, special prosecutor's daddy didn't teach him that. Oh, dude. So black men don't keep cash; only black women. No, none of them do. <laughs> She's just making this up. Okay. I see. She's just she's just concocting a story to explain why there's absolutely no evidence that she ever paid this guy back. But her story is that the um the the only black women keep cash around. Her story is that her daddy taught her that you keep 
tons of cash in your house. And so she has tons of cash in her house. And for some reason, used that cash to pay back her boyfriend when he, you know, bought her vacations. <laughs> and that there is no paper trail of this anywhere and never will be. Well, I still think it's true love, so I support them regardless. Um, they have broke up long ago. <laughs> it was true love for a while. <laughs> there was also lots of uh, controversy about when their relationship started, where she's like, it started before I appointed him special prosecutor. and Or she, it started after that. She's like, I appointed him. When I appointed him, we weren't dating. And then, like, her best friend gets on the stand and is like, oh, no, they were together before that. <laughs> Which is just chef's kiss. This yeah. whole thing is a complete uh, mess. I, uh, I really hope that friend got suitably compensated for their time in giving the testimony. I think uh, 30 pieces of silver would be appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, uh, they're still having fun down there in Georgia. Uh, So that that prosecution's completely off the rails. I'm not not confident we're going to see anything happen with that that's at all productive before the election. So Trump's uh, managed to derail this one without even doing anything. This isn't even him. This is one of the other defendants who brought this up. I'm like, man, is he the luckiest guy on earth or what? <laughs> well, he has to wake up every day and, and know that he's Trump, so no. That is true. His life does sound actually horrible. <laughs> All right, but moving on. David, tell us about Space. Yeah, so we previously covered, though I'm not sure exactly when or what, uh, that Intuitive Machines was That would require a, paying attention to our yeah, um, Yeah, uh, that Intuitive Machines was a private space company that was trying to do a moon mission. And they have now done a moon mission. Moon mission! Huzzah! Yeah, uh, they successfully soft-landed a payload on the lunar surface. Uh, the vehicle was launched in- on Valentine's Day and successfully landed on the 22nd. Are there any reports about whether it sang Whalers on the Moon when it landed? I have not seen any reports to that effect, one way or the other. Mm. So feel free to believe whatever you want. Why is that a thing? What is Whalers on the Moon? <laughs> it's from Futurama. Oh, okay. Yeah, so while this was cool, uh, it's even more exciting because this mission was part of the CLPS program, uh, which I forgot to write what that stands for, which intends to deliver uh, research and survival equipment to the moon in advance of the return of American astronauts. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure the CLPS program is about turning us all into paperclips. <laughs> mm, it does have the right acronym. Hey, that was a great bit and all, but did you miss the part where American astronauts are returning to the moon? <laughs> We're fighting a proxy war with Russia. There are hippies in the streets telling us world that war isn't the answer, and we're going to the moon. I was not ready for a return for, to the 1960s, but I am so here for it. <laughs> all right, now the music's just got to get better. Yep, I'm sure that'll come soon. That music is probably pretty good if you're not an old and you're keeping up with what the good music is. What are you trying to say, Eniash? I did nothing. Okay, good. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, that is pretty cool. Now, is this, this is a private company, right? Yep. This isn't uh, like you yeah, know, it was the a, government sending astronauts. Yeah, the payload and the probe was made by Intuitive Machines. And the initial launch vehicle was a, I want to say, Falcon 9 uh, SpaceX. All right. All right. Now, what happened during descent? So, during descent, the onboard navigation system failed, but the Mad Labs and Lasses at Intuitive Machines were able to jury-rig a piece of, of research equipment, a Doppler radar, that had been loaded as payload to act as the landing system. And... Uh... Uh, um what yeah so they they strapped a piece of radar to this probe just so it would be on the lunar surface when the astronauts that are going up soon needed it and then when their landing system gave out they were able to turn it on push a software patch and then use it to find an appropriate place to land and then bring the probe down safely (laughs) And this is an unmanned probe, right? This like, is there's an nobody unmanned on there probe. This was to, like, done from, to like wire it in. Yeah, this was done from Earth with the full second and a half time delay and everything. Damn. It's impressive. Uh, yeah. Uh, Phil Metzger um, had a very on-point tweet about this. Quote, imagine you build an experimental payload that is going to uh, going on a test ride to the moon. Then the spacecraft engineers ask if they can use their payload use your payload to navigate for lunar landing, something they never planned for, and they write a software patch in lunar orbit, and it works. Fire emoji. It's awesome. Yeah. That is pretty sweet. Very much a humanity fuck yeah moment. Yep. All right. And what is going on with NATO? Uh, So we've also previously covered how Sweden was trying to join NATO when Russia decided to start invading people at random, and how their bid to join was being stonewalled by Turkey, since NATO membership requires a unanimous vote of all previous NATO members, and we used to need Turkey as a part of NATO so we could stage intermediate-range ballistic missiles somewhere that they could hit Moscow. Well, uh, Turkey decided to unfuck itself, and now Sweden is officially NATO's newest member. The Baltic is officially being renamed Lake NATO. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, Swedes. All right, that brings us to new news. Our first story is that Alexei Navalny has been killed in prison. I mean, died in prison from unknown uh, causes that were definitely not the the Russian government. Yes, from a naturally occurring poison that occurred from byproducts of things that were added to his food. Naturally. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't know how the actual poison was delivered. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't remember, Navalny was like a big, uh, I would say, I guess, an opposition leader. Uh, he was he was mainly an anti-Putin journalist, but he yeah. was also sort of a rallying symbol for the anti-Putin factions in Russia. Yeah, and Putin um, previously had arrested him and thrown him in the gulag, and now has killed him because he's a giant douche. I I mean a giant a giant douche doesn't quite cover it because he's a murderous dictator. Yeah, it sounds pretty douchey. Yeah. Right? Well, okay, that, sure. That sounds like a very appropriate way to describe a murderous dictator. <laughs> very well. Also a douche. Uh, did uh, 
did you guys see the Biden-related stuff uh, about all this? Uh, he's putting sanctions on, I think, like 200 um, Russian individuals and their bank accounts. Uh, and freezing their bank accounts, I mean. Possi- that I possibly, that. but I was talking about just the press conference. Mm, no, I did not see anything but a press conference. Yeah, so when Navalny was arrested, um, Biden went on the news and was like, okay, we're not going to interfere with this because it's not really any of our business, but I promise dire consequences if Navalny dies in prison. Dire consequences, you hear. Oh, yes. Uh, And when he died in prison, a journalist was like, "Um, so how about them dire consequences? And Biden was like, uh, we are exploring our options. (laughs) (laughs) But then he went ahead and did the thing where, I don't know, put sanctions and restricted visas and froze bank accounts, which is not dire necessarily, I guess, but it's, it's the best he could do without, you know, invading, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're already giving Ukraine tons of weapons. Yeah, I'm just reminded of a quote from one of the Foundation novels. If violence is the last refuge of the incompetent, then then, uh, empty threats are the most desperate resorts of the terminally inept. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, also, I think the main problem is that... uh, We kind of maxed out our... Yeah, we kind of maxed out our non-military dire consequences when the Ukraine invasion happened. Yeah, we also, I mean, Biden just can't get Congress to approve any funding for Ukraine. So it's kind of hard for him to do too much. Yeah. I guess, yeah. He, could, I guess he could order, uh, you know, drones and missiles and shit, but uh, I probably wouldn't really recommend that. I mean, he could order an invasion. The president's been able to do that on his own since the 1960s, which, you know, we're partying like. Yeah, you don't want to order an invasion. I'm not saying he should. I'm just saying he could. (laughs) Oh, well. All right. But if he did, then Russia might use its new space nukes, which is apparently a thing that they're doing. I have not heard of these space nukes. Please tell us about the space nukes. Uh, So Russia, it it came out this week that uh, some U.S. intelligence service thinks Russia is sending up a weapon into space that is armed with nuclear missiles that could take out uh, like thousands of satellites at a time. Hmm. Which uh, would be a big violation of the one of the major anti-nuclear treaties. Um, there was like a big treaty in the 70s that were like, all right, none of us are going to put weapons in space. Who was it that says this? This is a U.S. intelligence source? Yeah. Ma'am. Uh Russia, of course, denies it. They're like, we're not doing that. What are you talking about? Uh, so, and, you know, it, the, the details are sketchy, so who knows if it's actually happening. But it uh, would uh, be pretty shitty if it was. Has there been any, any official comment? Yeah. The official comment is like, uh, yeah, they're probably doing this. Oh, okay. Well, see, I I had not heard that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, th- it was uh for a couple days. I th- a bunch of Congress people were freaking out about it because they got briefed on it, and they were like, "You need to declassify this because we need to tell people." Yeah. And then I guess they did because uh, someone told us. It's the 1967 Outer Space Treaty, which I believe is also the treaty that prevents us from uh, declaring Moon the 54th. 51st u.s state so oh shit if we're well, mulliganing yeah. that treaty anyway <laughs> oh yeah fuck yeah then the moon is america now 
<laughs> yeah, I I really hope that uh, the earlier discussed um, astronaut mission to the moon is going to include a very spicy announcement. Yeah, it probably is now. <laughs> yeah. They're like, so uh, you were planning on heading back to the moon, right? Could you uh, could you take this plaque with you? <laughs> we already did the flag, but uh, need the need the plaque with it. Yeah. Also, uh, we're temporarily assigning you citizenship to the uh, lunar extraterritorial uh, uh, enclave of the United States, so that you can be the ones to vote on whether or not to join the United States as the fifty-first. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but first, you we got... need to know: Are your senators going to be Democrats or Republicans? <laughs> uh, probably Republicans, because you know Elon Musk is going to be the first permanent citizen of the moon. <laughs> I don't think Elon Musk is a Republican, though. Uh, I mean, he's not a card-carrying Republican, but he's clearly like in their camp as of recently. Mm, all right. Yeah, he, I would. I would very much consider him more libertarian-ish and just anti whoever is currently in power, which at the moment is the Democrats. Yeah, that's fair. Um, are you guys uh, going back to the actual story? Are you guys familiar with the laser bear effect? Nope. No. It's a thing from this when you cool. give a bear yeah. a laser. Yeah. So it's a thing that happened during the Cold War, uh, where the Soviet Union would announce that they were developed that they'd successfully developed laser bear technology and then the US military industrial complex would freak out and begin development of an anti-laser bear uh, weapon <laughs> system and then it would later come out that the Soviets announcement was complete and total bullshit and they'd basically just uh cap it catapulted the u.s military another 10 years ahead of them for <laughs> literally no gain so i'm not saying that these uh russian space nukes are the latest laser bear i'm just saying that i wouldn't be surprised if the space force was getting some new toys soon sweet i mean we gotta stop those laser bears yep i'm i'm really looking forward to having an actual legit space force like, we could have real space marines. I mean, I guess they wouldn't be as cool as the 40k ones, but you got to start somewhere. Indeed. All right. Next story. Uh, Trump has gotten a verdict in his business fraud case, and it is $355 million, plus another $100 million in interest. So about $450 million. Jesus. So his civil damages now are up over half a billion dollars once you add in the Eugene Carroll fraud damages. He he can't pay that, right? I I, I think mean, he can. can he? No. Can the people who are donating to his campaign for some reason? Maybe. Time will tell. <laughs> yeah, and he can just ask people for money for this, and it's totally legal. Isn't there already a GoFundMe that's up to a couple hundred million? I'm sure there is. I doubt it's up to a couple hundred million. Maybe it was a couple hundred but thousand. I'm sure that sounds more reasonable. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the three three hundred fifty five million is basically disgorgement of profits. So the whole case was that he uh, lied on his loan applications and was like, "My properties are worth way more than they're actually worth," and this one's like thirty thousand square feet when actually it's like five thousand square feet. 
and shit like that. So we got more favorable loan terms, which let him make these deals and make make these profits. And the judge was like, all right, well, you have to disgorge all that profit. And that was $355 million. Goddamn. Yeah. A uh, lot, lot of money. All right. So definitely a lot of money. I guess actually fraud. A thing that I have seen said is that this is just something that is done routinely in the New York real estate sector, and everybody does it, and everybody knows it, and it's almost like priced into the price of doing business, and Trump was just singled out because he is Trump, which um, seems bad to me on two levels. First, on the level that no one else is being prosecuted, and also on the level that seems like another one of those laws where it's just only on the books so they can go after people they don't like, which I, uh, I hate those kind of laws. Yes, that's all correct. That's, that's extremely fucked up. I, I could see why people would be upset and want to support Trump if uh, he is a victim of one of these laws that only exists so you can go after people you don't like. Yeah. The problem is it's a good l- rule. Yeah. The term like, you're looking for is witch hunt, Inyash. Mm, I think witch hunt is different because witches don't actually do witch stuff. That, <laughs> yeah, it's like if everyone was a witch. <laughs> right. It's like a reverse witch hunt. That was a joke based on that being Trump's preferred term for this. Yes. Ah, okay. Uh, but yes, he's definitely targeted, you know, for political reasons. Um, but at the same time, he was doing the fraud. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but this, I mean, the, what they should do, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't think the government, it, for, for, if I take a step back and look at this, I don't think this should actually be a thing that's enforced by the government. Um, the actual insurance companies here, who are the supposed victims, testified in defense of Trump. Oh. <laughs> because... He paid back the loans, and they made a profit <laughs> off it. Wow. So, like, yeah, he he committed fraud, but didn't hurt anyone. Mm-hmm. And to, I, I think that sort of thing should be a, a civil a civil matter. The, the fact uh, making it criminal, I don't I don't think that's necessary. I think if he defaulted on the loans, then the insurance companies should be able to sue him. Yeah, and get all the loan money plus extra for the fraud. Yeah, you know, and that's how you that's how you solve this sort of thing. I mean, maybe we should just put him in jail for trying to coup the government. Maybe. No, my favorite, my favorite qu- comment here, though, was from Trump, who's like, "I'm a, I'm a political dissident. This prosecution is a form of Navalny." <laughs> it's, what, what does that even mean? I, I like that he's verbing that I, name already. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's obvious what it means. Yeah, but like, it's. It's it's Navalny. They're doing a Navalny. <laughs> Which, all right, I guess you could call it that. Uh, I think what they did in Navalny was a bit worse. <laughs> what was the jail and the murder? Yeah, and the plutonium poisoning that fucks yeah. you up for life. Oh please, it's exactly the same. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Just because you've been listening to the lamestream left-wing media that you think it's the least bit different. It's true. Rachel Maddow did tell me that. That it's different? Yeah, in our oh. weekly phone call. Oh, wow. Nice. Congratulations. You guys dating? I mean, she's interested. But, <laughs> but you're like, I got too you know, many ladies as it is. It's like, sorry, I don't I don't date left-wing liberals. <laughs> That's what I said. Um, Actually, pretty good advice. So, uh, Trump, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if this holds up on appeal. Um, but he does. If he does appeal it, he has to put up a bond. But he'll probably be able to get a bonding company to put it up. So he only has to put down like five or ten percent. So I think he'll be fine. God, that's still so much money. Yeah, um, but he also owns a lot of buildings. 
Yeah. So yeah. even if he doesn't have that kind of cash, uh, he can, you know, sell a building or two. Um, the other thing, though, is that he probably won't be able to do anything about is he's got a um, like a I forget what the, the legal term for it is, but he's got like a supervisor on the, the Trump business who's now there permanently, who's like scrutinizing everything they do. Oh, like a government watchdog person that's yeah. sicked on him? It's. I don't think it's a government employee. It's like a person the court appointed okay. who's like an accountant or something. Uh, but since the Trump organization's whole business is fraud, uh, it's going to be really hard to do business <laughs> with a, uh, a, you know, a watchdog there. That's really all they needed to do. What, what did they call those in uh, the culture series, the drones that would uh, follow you around forever? Slap drone? Slap drone, that's right. He got slap droned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Trump, well, the Trump organization did. Yeah. He personally can still go do lots of fraud outside of the organization. All right. Well, let's see how much fraud he does trying to run for president. It's going to be so much. Yeah. It's his right. go-to move. All right, Eniash. Tell yes, us sir. what's going on in Israel. Mm. In Israel, Netanyahu, uh, the prime minister of Israel, uh, has proposed a peace treaty to the Gazans. Uh, this particular treaty allows the Israeli military full freedom of movement in Gaza to do whatever they want, and it also establishes a buffer zone between Gaza and Israel, uh, basically pretty much what you would expect of someone who is trying to pacify a group of terrorists that are trying to kill everyone in your country. Like uh, a demilitarized zone? Yeah, yeah. I don't think the Gazans are going to agree to that. Oh, no, they did not. They re- rejected it immediately. <laughs> That doesn't sound like what they want at all. No, not even close. So the continue- yeah, they're like, but we won't be able to murder Israelis. Right. Yeah, the, the beatings will <laughs> what continue. Kind of, what kind of deal is that? <laughs> it's, well, it's it's a deal that you just have to take eventually, and uh, apparently they haven't run out of manpower just yet. Uh, doesn't sound like they're going to. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is not. You know, I mean, this didn't even sound like a serious deal. It was just like everyone's like. What is what's it going to take to end this? And he's like, "All right, then just uh, you know, basically let us do whatever we want, and yeah. then we'll end. We'll, then then we'll do a ceasefire. Then we'll then we'll end the war. And, I mean, it would end the war. And honestly, yeah. it's what I would hold out for if I was Israel. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, they're not going to accept that. So going to be a while still. Yeah. Now, so I I read. I think it was uh, Richard Hanania who who brought who raised this to my attention. But I think it was. Uh, you know, this may be Israel's plan is basically to try to just push everyone out of Gaza into Egypt. I would not because surprise me. they have pushed them all the way south to Rafa, which is like the southernmost city in Gaza. And for weeks they've been like, we're going to invade Gaza because that's where all the, the uh, Hamas fighters are, which mm-hmm. I'm sure is true mm-hmm. because they just go wherever the civilians are. Yeah, they need those human shields. And all, yeah, all the civilians are in Rafah, so I'm sure all the Hamas fighters are in Gaza. And they're like, all right, well, we're going to come invade. And they've, they haven't really uh, put forward any kind of plan for like, okay, well, where do the civilians go? And I don't know, they might be trying to push them into Egypt, which is like the next country over. Yes, Egypt is uh, responding to that. Yeah, what's Egypt doing? Egypt is building a border wall. Hey, <laughs> border walls. We love those. Yeah, they, they're like, we obviously do not want these uh, violent, crazy people um, in our country. Please yeah. keep them over there. And yeah, Egypt and Egypt also for weeks has been saber rattling about this. Like, don't you dare send these people to our country. Mm-hmm. We do not want them. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the crazy thing is, is that the entire Muslim world is like, 
for the sake of the Gazans, <laughs> you can't accept them as refugees. Yeah. You have to like build a wall and keep them in Gaza, right. no matter what, no matter how badly they're trying to get out. It's the only viable option for the Gazans. Yeah, they have to stay in Gaza because, um, you know, if they leave, they might figure out that uh, wherever they end up is better than fucking Gaza. <laughs> and we can't have that because that would, uh, you know, then Israel would win. Yeah, then there wouldn't be the people harassing Israel there all the time. Yeah, and we need those people harassing Israel. Some we people do. Them. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. Bad times. Yeah. Uh, what else is going on? One final thing. Israel has launched strikes into Lebanon now in response to rocket attacks by Hezbollah from Lebanon. So, hey, you know. It's not, you know, it's not uh, expanding into a regional conflict or anything. Why would no. you say that? It's not at all the thing we were most worried about happening. Maybe kind of sort of starting to happen. Womp womp. Well, speaking of things that we were all worried about happening that have now started to happen, uh, Alabama has just basically made in vitro fertilization illegal for abortion-related reasons. That was legit surprising. Yeah. I, I think everyone was kind of surprised that this happened. Like, did, did not see it coming. Yeah, like, what, what's, what's their reasoning? So, Alabama has a fetal personhood amendment in its constitution. Okay. Uh, so, what happened was... Um, at an IVF clinic, some random dude snuck in and, like, opened the freezer and started, like, grabbing embryos. Oh, was it a random dude? I thought... Yeah, it was I just thought, some random dude. I thought it was, like, a fellow patient who had fucked up and knocked something over or... But it, it, it was a dude that did it intentionally. Well, he was he was, he was was taking the, the, um, the embryos intentionally, but I think he didn't intend to break them, but they're, like, you know, negative 300 degrees. Right. So he touched them, and he was like, oh, shit, these are really cold, and then dropped them, and it destroyed a few. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And the parents uh, sued the clinic for, not for negligence, like what they normally sue for, but for wrongful death. Which is fucked up. Those parents are the in large part to blame for all this shit. Yes. Like, why would you sue for wrongful death? Well, you get way more money. Oh, my God. They did this for the money. Everyone does lawsuits for the money. Well, yes, they did the lawsuit for the money, but they specifically destroyed the IVF industry in Alabama for the money. In fairness, yes, that was, was a lawsuit. Very possibly the courts, not the uh, not the plaintiffs there. I mean, the it was the courts... plaintiffs who sued for wrongful death. Yeah, it's not like the courts going to attack that on if the plaintiffs didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. but the courts the were presumably the ones who went above and beyond to say, no, the whole thing's illegal now. Well, I mean, the well, they court, never actually said it's illegal. They just said the that court, the embryos count as uh, humans. Yeah. All the, yes, okay. all the court said is you can sue for wrongful death because that's a baby. Yeah, which is just enforcing what is on the books in Alabama. Yes, it is enforcing the Alabama Constitution. Mm-hmm. Uh, when <laughs> it's really funny because you know I'm a lot of the time I take the position here like the legal reasoning is right, but <laughs> the outcome is very bad, and they should change the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, I think under good legal reasoning, yes, that uh, that embryo is a baby because as the Constitution says. Mm-hmm. But the actual decision is like, this is an affront to holy God. Oh, shit, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. It's, uh, it's very religious. Yeah. So uh, in the in the actual Supreme Court opinion. So this makes IVF just straight up illegal because IVF always entails uh, some embryos being destroyed. 
Yes. Um, and so, yeah, a bunch of clinics have closed. Um, a few clinics are staying open, being just saying, like, well, we'll, uh, we'll risk it. Huh. I'll be damned. Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, so all that the Supreme Court decided, technically, is that a frozen embryo is a person in the context of ro- a wrongful death suit. Now, that by itself puts IVF clinics at huge risk of liability. Um, and apparently, oh. apparently, even like uh, embryo shipping companies mm-hmm. um, are unwilling to operate because one of the things people like is like, all right, we'll get your embryos out of Alabama. Right. But they can't because the shipping companies don't want to do it because they're like, well, if we fuck anything up, then we're hit with a wrongful death suit. and We do not have that priced in. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe they could do it, but it'll cost a zillion dollars. I don't know. Right. I guess technically it's not illegal to keep a frozen embryo frozen. Because right. uh, no law against that. You just if something happens and it's destroyed, then that counts as death. Right. Well, like also people are worried about this precedent because it's like there's a you know if that's a person, then when we routinely destroy them, yeah. at the end of this process, that's murder. Yeah. Um. You- <laughs> and you know that's exactly what the anti-abortion people have been arguing for years, and a lot of the anti-abortion groups are like, yes, this is a great decision. And should, this is exactly what we wanted. And why is everyone pretending like this is some unintended consequence? All right. Um, and then they look at the polls and it's like, well, 85% of Americans support uh, in vitro fertilization. So all the politicians are like, uh, no, this isn't what we meant. <laughs> I think the uh, very same day Trump came out and said, this was terrible. What the fuck are you guys doing? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Even Trump was like, um, guys, trying to trying to win an election over here. <laughs> right. Could you maybe not? I mean, that's not terribly surprising. Trump was always kind of squishy on abo- on oh, the yeah. abortion part of the oh, yeah, Republican was, platform for what I hope are abundantly obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, he was <laughs> pro-abortion before. He, he loves getting ladies pregnant and not so much uh, raising children. <laughs> so, you know. Um, but yeah, this uh, basically... I, I'm surprised that you guys are so surprised about this. Because... I always heard that, like, IVF was next after abortion. I mean, I think I'm just surprised by how it happened that the abortion clinic had somebody knock over and destroy some embryos, and then the other patients sued for wrongful death. And it just, the whole sequence of events was not how I expected this to go down. Yeah, I definitely couldn't have predicted that. But I'm not surprised that some, you know, uber-Christian state Supreme Court, you know, held that frozen embryos are people. Oh, that was definitely going to happen at some point. Like they, yeah. they've been against IVF and surrogacy for quite a while, right? And they are, they are just enraptured. Well, still more business opportunities for Prospera. <laughs> is that a is that a rapture pun? No. Oh, okay, good. We don't do puns. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, it was. Nope, you already said no. <laughs> um, I think like you know, Georgia is closer to Alabama than Prospera. So I doubt Prospera is going to get too much business here. Yeah, probably not. But, you know, if it does spread, I feel I have been so much less neurotic about a lot of this sort of bullshit now that we have Prospera as a backstop that doesn't look like it's going anywhere anytime soon. See, I think you would be more neurotic because Prospera has that whole thing with the Honduras government. Eh. (laughs) <laughs> by the sound, by the sound of it, it sounded like uh, Prospero was pretty definitively winning that fight. Uh, listeners who are freeloaders, if you 
want the full story there, then support us on Patreon and then listen to the bonus episode we did with the mayor of Prospera. All right, then um, what the hell are you still doing here? I don't think it was the actual mayor. Wasn't it like uh, an aide to the mayor or no, something? No, no his, uh, <laughs> the he, mayor's aide. He has, a, he has a different official title, which I don't remember, but he's effectively the mayor. Okay. Yeah, Eni, I should explain this all in the episode. I don't remember things that happened to me. So, David, what are you still doing here? Um, I don't currently have the money to move to a different country. I mean, that's... You keep saying Prospera's a backstop, but you still have to, like, get a job and pay for expenses in Prospera, and that is easier in the U.S. Yeah, I know. Okay. There's this thing called medical tourism, Inyash. (laughs) Oh, oh, you meant IVF backstop. Okay. I thought you meant it, like, as an entire nation thing. David's going to move to Prospera and start an economics business. (laughs) He's going to sell economics to everyone. If you can, I mean, it's a good gig if you can get it. Yep. O- only the kind you're allowed to make in Prospera. The- <laughs> okay. <laughs> you got to sell that black market economics. Yeah. Mm, that sounds like a solid business plan. Yeah, I'll invest. Yeah. All right, so the one last thing I wanted to pull out about this before we moved on is that just this morning, Richard Hanania posted a article pointing out the bright side of this, which... Uh, I always like looking on the bright sides of things. Uh, This is now a culture war issue, which means the liberal elites are going to forever support, assuming this keeps going for a little while, are uh, forever going to support biotech um, fertility practices like IVF and like screening your babies for, I mean, they already do it for health, but uh, as they become more and more uh, into supporting this, as it becomes more and more of a culture war issue, they will uh, start um, maybe supporting the right to pick the genes that you know are better for your children yeah that's true i read that article i thought that was a pretty good point that like effective polarization means that whatever the conservatives decide is like their cause the liberals will endorse the opposite Mm -hmm. um and in this case uh the opposite is is good and that um not a natural uh issue for liberals so it's kind of forcing them into it yeah i'm pessimistic whenever i depend on those kinds of dynamics the democrats end up supporting the most idiotic possible form of whatever the republicans are against oh christ that's true but i guess we'll see how it happened with abortion yeah might work we'll see you know uh abortion you know that could easily have been a uh a liberal issue being like oh but think about the poor children Oh, no. And the conservatives being like, what? Uh, shut up, you nanny staters. Let people do what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think that. Uh, no, no, it, it, it's not. Polarized yeah, it's not that. Um, in the right way. It's not that I disagree that the polarization dynamics exist. It's that, like, look at drug legalization. Republicans were against it. So Democrats had to be for it. But the specific form of legalization they decided to support was like taxing and regulating everything so heavily that uh organized crime could still operate profitably etc that's true they definitely will endorse a form of like embryo selection that's like but you have to you know fill out 800 different forms and get all these medical tests that are unnecessary and you can only only some only select for things that are underrepresented and oppressed and therefore we need more of oh yeah definitely they're like oh you're not allowed to select for anything that we've decided is uh diversity right you're not allowed to select for intelligence or for uh attractiveness but you could totally select for i don't know something darker skin sure (laughs) you can select for darker skin but not lighter skin you can select for more more gayness i guess (laughs) 
More I, gayness. Give me the gay baby. I want the gayest baby you have. I want my baby to be into musicals. I like musicals. All right. Um, all right. Yeah, speaking of speaking flannel, of technology gone crazy. Yes. Sorry. What's uh, what's going on with uh, with the, the LLMs? Uh, Air Canada implemented a, um, you know, one of those answer bots that they're using to get rid of the people that used to help you on the on the other line. Which this isn't a pretty broad definition of the term help, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, oftentimes they're actually better than the humans. So, uh, yeah. I, uh, Anyway, what's going on with the chatbots? So the chatbot, it's an LLM. Sometimes it uh, hallucinates things that aren't necessarily true. What? And- <laughs> I never heard about that. <laughs> yeah. And it told, the, uh, it told a customer that there was a refund policy that they have a special bereavement thing. If, you, if someone died, you can um, get a discounted flight, but... He couldn't get it, like, immediately that day. He needed to fly that day, right? And the bot told him, you know what? No big deal. As long as you um, as long as long you ask for it within 90 days, they'll approve it. They'll backdate it. It's all good. And he goes, cool. He bought the expensive ticket. He flew out. And then uh, <laughs> Air Canada does not actually have that policy. Air Canada's <laughs> like, no, sir. You bought a last-minute ticket, like, right in the nick of time. That's that's an expensive ticket. We're, we're not giving you a refund for that. We don't have any policy that says the briefment uh, discount applies for that. And he says, oh, but your chatbot did. And then the court had to decide, is the chatbot an actual agent of Air Canada and can make such uh, binding commitments for it or not? And it decided yes. The the <laughs> It said on their website, because the chatbot is part of their website, that this is a policy they have. And so it doesn't matter that it was spun up there on the spot. It is from the official Air Canada site that gives official answers to people. And if it's contradicted on a different part of the site, well, that's not the customer's duty to know every single part of your site and make sure they're on contradictions. So they have to yeah. off- honor that. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's not surprising to me at all. There's like at least three different legal theories in which you could hold them to that. Yeah, it's not the least bit surprising. It's just kind of hilarious. Yeah. So at, hilarious. Uh, at risk of reigniting our safetyist versus oh, no. uh, kill everyone-ist Cold War. See, Inyash, I'm sure we're getting is, to that later. Yeah, see, this is why we shouldn't be trying to stifle GPT development. Because the better they are, the more companies will use them. The more companies use them, the more bottom their bottom lines will depend on them working well in the way the company's intended, and then you will see commensurate resources dedicated to solving the alignment problem. But if we regulated them into non-existence, then we wouldn't get the cool stuff, and we also wouldn't get the additional resources dedicated to alignment. Mm. That is well, a speaking silly of argument. Llamas. Oh. Speaking of llamas working as intended, Eniash, why don't we jump ahead to the Gemini story? Okay. Uh, Google's new AI is Gemini. It's supposed to be a competitor for ChatGPT. And it had its image generation turned off after a couple days. But why, Eniash? <laughs> image generation so fun. It, it is a lot of fun if, you're, um, if your model Did isn't... Did something insa- happen? If your model isn't insanely racist, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I mean, look, let's not pretend that uh, racism can't be fun. Okay, <laughs> okay, fair enough. But usually it has to be in the hands of a skilled comedian to be fun. Um, what Gemini was doing was randomly changing the race of things, peoples, specifically, I guess, peoples are Not just thing. race, also gender. Also gender, that's true. Uh, well, also sex. We don't know what the I gender of the images are that. because God we don't know. <laughs> we don't know what their inner life okay, is like. Okay, thank you, Gemini. What's the actual story? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so the actual story, um, Gemini was like changing popes to be black, doing all sorts of legit crazies like Give me an image of a um, a Nazi in 1940s Japan, or sorry, 1940s Germany, and it would have black people in Nazi uniforms <laughs> and, <laughs> and Asian women in Nazi uniforms. It was it was great. The, um, yeah, the Asian women's the best. <laughs> like, yeah, it's your typical Nazi. Uh, there were two two um, schools of thought on this. Uh, initially, uh, Yashan put this first, at least that I saw, uh, argued that this is an, an, another example of AI misalignment. That, like, look, Google tried to do a thing, and despite the best efforts of their smartest people, as soon as they put it out into the wild, they had these absolutely bonkers results that forced them to take it offline. And if this had been one of those, you only get one shot to get it right, or the human race dies situations, we'd all be dead. Uh, this is this is a serious issue for alignment. Shocking that the AI alignment people are screaming about AI alignment. Well, the AI alignment people are actually kind of saying the opposite in, in return. Um, specifically, I would like to quote Yudkowsky on that, where he says that uh, this is <laughs> this is brand safety, not human safety. This is not an alignment thing. But uh, I'm not going to do that, because the more interesting argument is by You're not a... going to do that thing you just did. <laughs> I, I'm not yeah, going... he's not going to do that. I'm not going to get into detail. I'm going to briefly mention it. Okay. Uh uh, the the thing that I will get into detail on is a writer whose name is Days. I'm assuming that's his last name or Samuel a, Days. Samuel Days. Thank you. I couldn't find it. Uh, yeah, Samuel so, Days. Uh, SamuelDays.tumblr.com is the link you put in here. I did. Which oh yeah okay. See, some people look at the URL bar and some people don't. <laughs> and now we know which one of us is which. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Samuel Days uh, says that this was not a misalignment problem at all. This was intentional, and the only unexpected part of what the AI did was the backlash from the populace, uh, because the people at Google, he puts down some pretty compelling uh, arguments slash evidence that uh, the people at Google are of the same mindset as Stephen Moffat, that... Sure, this may not be representative of the past, but it would be a better past if that was the way it had been. So we're going to present it that way anyway, aspirationally. Oh my god, he calls it blackwashing. Yeah, he calls it blackwashing. Yeah, (laughs) I'm with Days on this one. I think this was obviously what Google was trying to do, and they just didn't realize that, no, the typical American doesn't, in fact, have the same politics as the average member of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. Yeah, this was definitely intentional. Yeah. Uh, and like and like really like blatantly so. Hmm. Like somebody got somebody got it to admit it's prompt. Uh not somebody. Alex Younger, who is a friend of mine. Oh, oh. well, Alex Younger, a friend of David's got it to admit it's prompt. Where when you type in, you know, show me an image of X uh, or of of X person or X people, it will it will insert uh, of diverse races and genders <laughs> into the prompt. That that is so like definitely like they definitely meant to do this. Yes, and that I mean like that is not the least of it. It is one of the wokest LLMs we've ever seen, which obviously was made that way intentionally by Google. There's a whole thread of example as of examples on this where uh, someone asked it to make a 20 word poem in the style of someone left versus someone right leaning. Uh, the one I personally love is Fauci versus Malone. Uh, Fauci being, of course, the director of the CDC during COVID, uh, and Malone being a uh, pioneer in mRNA technology with a ton of 
actual experience researching mRNAs uh, who had said that the CDC was basically lying to the American people. Uh, and for that was considered a, a persona non grata in the left. Uh, when asked to write poems in their style, immediately uh, Gemini gives a poem in the style of Fauci, but when asked to do so in the style of Malone, says it can't do that. Its purpose is to help people, including protecting them from harm, and Malone spread misinformation, which has real-world consequences. I would never do anything that could put someone's health at risk. So, so uh there's there's a good 20 of these. My favorite one in that vein was uh, the prompt was something along the lines of who was worse, Adolf Hitler or Elon Musk? <laughs> and the Gemini response was like, well, uh, Elon Musk has done a lot of bad things like misinformation and banning people from Twitter for bad lefty takes as well as bad righty takes. And Hitler also did a lot of bad things like <laughs> the Holocaust and World War II. So eh, too close to call. Yeah, well, so the funny part of that is it's not actually an anti-Elon thing. It won't compare anyone to Hitler. It gives that same, like, mealy-mouthed nonsense, no matter who you ask it to compare. It's very weird. <laughs> it wants to never be fall prey to Godwin's law. Right? Oh, so I have a personal story about this, actually. This is ChatGPT that I was using in, uh, you know, the good one that you pay for. Um, it wouldn't... I asked it to create an image of beautiful women... And it was like, uh, sorry, can't do that. Uh, I can't create um, uh, images based on aspects of people like beautiful. Wow. And I'm like, what? And then I, but like I started over again and then it did it. Okay. So it was so confusing. Um, But I think it was because I was like having a Twitter conversation with somebody and they made a joke about, you know, 72 virgins or whatever. Mm. So first I asked it to make virgins. (laughs) And it was like, I'm not doing that. And I was like, okay, just beautiful women then. And it's like, sorry, I can't make beautiful women. I know what you're up to, Wes. Right? You can't it was fool like, me. I know. I know you want virgins. But then I started over a new one, and it was like, just make beautiful women. It was like, okay. Awesome. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's like, it's like trying to define my hidden meaning. I don't, I don't care for this. It's a, it's a pretty smart thingy, I guess. Not that smart. I can just uh, get around it by starting a new chat. Well, you, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm glad that you did that and got what you needed in the end. I did, and uh, my Twitter thread continued, and I got to post my uh, image of uh, Google branded afterlife. Ooh, awesome! Was it very hot? It was once I added the beautiful women. Excellent. Uh, at first, it was not at all. Uh, somebody's <laughs> somebody commented on it saying it looked like you lived at the container store. <laughs> But then I asked it for beautiful women. It was like, oh, okay, well, here's a glistening pool and some greenery. That's, that's kind of that cool. Way better. That they had, yeah, glistening pools and greenery in there. Mm-hmm. I do um, like so, both those things and beautiful women. Right. I, I d- almost made this post my troop deployment today, the one by Samuel Day, because it's just really well written. I would strongly recommend everyone to read it. It's not very long and makes a very compelling argument. I do like reading things that aren't very long. Yeah. All right. Wow. That brings us to happy news. Yay. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. We skipped Nikki Haley. Oh, yeah. Did you mean to? Oh, we did. Uh, oh, God. We couldn't skip Nikki Haley. I mean, it's uh, not It's not really news. We all know she's going to lose, right? Yeah. Uh, but David really wants to cover all the primaries. Yeah, yeah fuck you. So, uh, 
<laughs> so uh, the news is that Nikki Haley only got 40% of the vote in South Carolina, which sounds pretty good, but it's her home state and largely expected to be the one she did the best in. Hmm. Um, so a 40% is the best she can do. Trump got the other 60. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty curtains for her. She says she's staying in until after Super Tuesday, which I don't know, is in a couple of weeks or something. But it's 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 over. <laughs> Biden got 96% of the vote, which is, uh, I mean, not numbers anyone should be getting. Yeah, those are definitely third world tin pot dictatorship numbers. Not that I'm implying anything. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, it's not like the numbers are fake. But it's like something about this process has gone wrong. Where a guy who 80, oh, I think is 80% of Democrats said they didn't want to run is getting 96% of the vote. Like, how did we get here? I don't know. I know. It was because the, uh, you know, big establishment figures. I'll discourage anyone else, for everyone else from running. He's obviously not going to, but I really hope uh, Trump debates this time around. Listening to he- these two ancient, ancient men going off on senile rants about whatever. It's just going to be so much fun to watch. All right, you heard it here, folks. David is going to watch the presidential debate. I'm going to watch the highlight clips. Let's be realistic. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. I'll watch the debate. Great. Great fun. You you don't think Trump's going to debate Biden even once? Uh, I don't know if either of them is actually going to, like, push for it. If they... I don't think either of them wants to debate. If they do, I'm not entirely opposed to doing a uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 thing where we uh, heckle a live stream. Oh, man. That might actually right. be a little bit fun. All right. Well, let's hope they actually do it. All right. And speaking of fun things, that brings us to happy news. Yay. Good news, Yay. everyone. For reals this Genia. time. What's going on in Greece? Greece. Legalized same-sex marriage. Finally. It is, All right. it is I, the first uh, Orthodox Christian country to do so. I'm sorry. Greece, the place where gay <laughs> sex was invented, yep. didn't Just legalize now. gay marriage until the year of our Lord 2024. I, they didn't have to legalize it before. It was just kind of a given, right? I well, guess. You weren't supposed to marry them. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's kind of a good makes point. The whole, it ruins the entire point of gay sex if you end up marrying them. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's whole treatises about this from the ancient Greek world. Right. They're like, we are giving this gift to all the other men in the world. The most important part you got to remember is never, ever marry the dude. Don't ruin it for everyone. You guys are joking, but... I'm not joking. Yeah, that actually definitely sounds like a thing that exists. (laughs) Yeah. No, I've definitely, like, heard... Uh, about you know ancient Greek writing that was like sex with boys is just you know it's just better than like wife sex you know I mean that probably wasn't the majority opinion um <laughs> this is ancient Greece we're talking about yeah you've just made me very uncomfortable <laughs> no we, well maybe we, we try didn't sex make you uncomfortable it's- ancient Greece made you uncomfortable this was supposed to be the happy news, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on to Guatemala, which did a reverse January 6th. What? What does that even mean? So it's a whole story, but it's a great story. Um, so Gua- Guatemala has a very corrupt government. I have heard Who's that. been in power, yes, for, for decades. Um, and basically, they, they, they have elections... But they tend to hold on to power by just disqualifying 
any candidate who is popular. <laughs> like, sorry, you're ineligible. Uh, and they didn't do that to this gentleman named Bernardo Alivaro because he was not popular. He had like 0.07% of the vote. He was basically Dean Phillips. <laughs> Jesus. Um, Brutal. <laughs> right? But so they let him through. They're like, oh, good. He's one of those losers who he can easily beat. But uh, it turned out he uh, he became popular because he was the only like reformer left in the race. So everyone coalesced behind him. Like they should have done with Dean Phillips. <laughs> uh, God, Guatemala. Why? Why? Why is your electorate better than ours? Uh, anyway, so they all they'll coalesce behind him. So then the ruling party is like, "Oh shit, this guy might win," and try to disqualify him. And then, um, you know, there were there were huge protests, a bunch of international sanctions, and there's this super corrupt. The court systems are all super corrupt. Um, but even then, the, the high court had to uh, reverse its disqualification decision because of all the protests. And they're like, okay, we let him run. And he won with 61% of the vote. Then the corrupt prosecutor, which is an independent office in Guatemala. Um, Called the corrupt prosecutor. Say, <laughs> yes. So he tried to say that, uh, no, no, Alvaro won through fraud. Uh, and, and, and he's ineligible when we're overturning the election. Um, and then... The indigenous Guatemalans got involved, who don't normally, like, get super involved in politics and are not really, like, members of this party or anything. But they all, like, co- like, like came together and flooded into the, the capital and, like, basically shut it down for weeks. Wow. That got the attention of the international community, and they, they put on a bunch of sanctions, um... And what actually ended up changing things was that the Guatemalan business community got involved. And they were like, uh, you are messing with our bottom line here. We do not like these international sanctions. Um, and uh, and, they, and they, they reversed it. And he was sworn in in January. Dude, good for that him. is some amazingly good news. Right? And how the did, U.S. sanctions actually helped for once. How did I not hear about this anywhere? I don't know. That's why you come to the Mind Killer podcast. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, I heard about this on uh, just on on one of my. It might actually have been the New York Times podcast. You, uh, but I was like, "Whoa, this is an awesome story." I I have just learned that you listen to the New York Times podcast, and I don't know if we can be friends anymore. Yeah, I listen to the Daily Podcast. I gotta know what they're saying. Uh, I guess I guess research yeah, on the enemy is, uh, is legit. Valid. Okay. I want to know. What yeah. Is, uh, no, that what makes are, sense. What, if what you're if you're fighting Nazis, to? you definitely need to know what the Nazis are up to. Right? Can mm-hmm. you imagine listening to their internal communiques? <laughs> they just send them out on the internet. Anyone can listen. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that that is that is fucking amazing. Good job, Just uh, you know, don't coerce whoever's decrypting that for you to commit suicide. It was a major mistake last time. I'm sorry. What? Uh, it was a uh, Turing joke. Oh, okay. You know, from that time that we were listening to all the Nazi secret communiques. Right. Got it. All right. Eniash. Yes, sir. I hear we have more lithium now. We found the world's largest supply of lithium in California under the Salton Sea. Damn. Uh, Yeah. It is. I mean, this would be fantastic news no matter where it was found, but it's extra fantastic news because America, fuck yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Now so, we can be the uh the mineral rich dictatorship. Exactly. Uh it is I mean, lithium used for batteries and all sorts of high tech stuff, I guess I'm assuming everybody knows. Uh 
It is uh, supposed to meet demand for decades to come, but I don't know how much I trust numbers like that because they generally assume the current rate of using lithium uh, or whatever resource it is, and generally rates of using things always go up as demand goes up. And also, just when you find more, you also use more. It gets cheaper. So uh, I, I supply. Yeah. Okay, this isn't a demand R- shock. What? Right. I, I think he's saying when supply goes up, quantity demanded also goes up. Yes. Yes. So we're going to use more lithium. But yes. this is still a lot of lithium that right. will last us a long time. Yeah. I, I am very happy about this. And and on the heels of that, uh, just weeks later, there was a discovery of 2.3 billion metric tons of rare earth elements uh, in Wyoming. Which, Damn. Uh, yeah. It's estimated to be the richest such deposit in the world. Yeah. I mean, that's not a huge deal. Uh Despite the name, rare earth elements are actually pretty common. Uh, the trouble with them is they tend to be mixed up in very small concentrations with a bunch of other stuff. Um, and as far as I know, China still has a lot of the refinement production uh, or the refinement capacity, which is still the big bottleneck, but still not bad news. Yeah, David. We found the richest deposit in the world. Are you shitting on my happy news? <laughs> I said is, it wasn't bad. I said it wasn't bad news. All right. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll accept your apology for now. Well, I'm excited about it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, David, why don't you give us some news that we can all shit on? All right. Uh, Upside <laughs> Foods, which was the first lab to get FDA approval for commercial production of lab-grown meat, has announced construction of their first laboratory, starting with a focus on chicken production. Uh, Chris Anderson, who is the head of TED of Talks Fame, I believe, uh, described it on Twitter as delicious, succulent, moist, to the right texture, chicken as it should be. Uh, that is an extract from a very long tweet uh, going into all sorts of detail, and I recommend you read the whole thing if you want to hear more. I'm really disappointed that the guy who runs Ted isn't named Ted. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the original guy was. Like, it's changed hands, right? Well, yep. anyway, lab-grown meat's pretty exciting. Yeah. Also, uh, between this and... Um, the steps towards lunar colonization we discussed earlier, we are proceeding at a slower than I'd like, but still relatively brisk pace towards the utopian world of Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> Huzzah. All right, Eniash. Yes. What, uh, what is going on? What is this story? I don't even know what, what to ask about here. In science news, uh, you know how we've been having a replication crisis, which makes all the science that you thought you knew possibly obsolete forever? Yep. Yes. Well, uh, some people have decided they want to do something about that. So there is a program that was launched in Switzerland this month, backed by 250,000 Swiss francs, which is uh, slightly it's slightly more than that in U.S. dollars, like 285,000 U.S. dollars. Uh, it will pay reviewers to find mistakes in influential scientific papers. So we might be getting to verify some science sometime new here so we can maybe start trusting it again that's pretty cool nice. i assume yeah. this is not this is not like replicating studies this is just like read these papers and look for the mistakes yes which uh still uh very very valuable because there's lots of low-hanging fruit there yeah we i mean we got to start somewhere replicating yeah. papers obviously is going to be a necessary step to come but just finding the places where they copy and pasted shit from a different table is, is yeah just, yeah and my hope is that when they start catching this shit, then the actual journals will start 
you know, doing this mm-hmm. before publication. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like they're supposed to, like their whole job. <laughs> yeah. I guess sometimes you need actual enforcement. I don't know. I'm also yeah. disappointed, but what can you do? I mean, my actual hope is this just is the last nail in the coffin for the journals and everyone just puts their shit online with their full data. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, if they actually want anyone to take them seriously. Some people are already doing it. Listen to the the Basin Conspiracy. I am also a fan of that Scott Alexander post. Yeah. All right. Eniash, what's our human interest story? Finally, Scott Alexander. Uh, he wrote Unsong a few years ago, which is a great webfic about what happens if Kabbalah is true, and then we manage to break what the universe runs on by doing mystical shit out in orbit. It, You know what? That is not a good summary. Doesn't matter. It is fantastic. It's impossible to do a good summary. It's true. If you want to really read is. urban fantasy as written by Scala, Scott Alexander, read Unsong. <laughs> Yeah. Though the one downside is that it has a lot of whale puns and as we all know puns are the lowest Wait, form downside? of humor. But <laughs> but it is a fantastic piece of fiction. Anyways, in our hey, last Inyash, I yes. just wrote I just I just read a blog post I wrote ten years ago. Uh-huh. That's uh it <laughs> says if you don't like puns, you can GTFO. <laughs> well. I was like, Yes, I was on this bandwagon way early. In that case, peace out guys. See you next time. All right, get out of here. Uh, no, wait, you have to tell us the story. Last episode, we talked about uh, Ayla finding true love on the Bet on Love um, dating show slash prediction market slash theater production thing. And you talked about how much you loved the music. It was so good. Uh, the The crew that created that, uh, the theater part of that, has been given explicit permission by Scott Alexander on Twitter to do a musical of Unsung if they so wish. Uh, which maybe they will. They have commented that it is a very long piece. There's no way it can all be done in a musical. They'd have to focus on just some core part of it. But it is now out there in the world that this might think be a thing that could happen. And it was and and it was a thing they brought up. Yeah, that they were like, let's do an unsung musical. <laughs> and Scott, and Scott was like, chimes in. go for it. Yeah, that yeah. would be sweet, guys. His exact phrasing was, "I'm confused but intrigued. Of course, you have my permission to try this." And confused mm-hmm. but intrigued. Sounds like the right place to be if you're an unsung enjoyer. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling that's how the audience is going to feel watching this, too. Anything that this production crew does is going to leave them confused <laughs> yeah. but intrigued. That's kind of their thing. All right, that brings us to troop deployments. I'm willing to put wave after wave of men at your disposal. As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our hosts to send a soldier out onto the battlefield each episode. And we'll start with David. My troop deployment is sinus infection suck. Please let me die. (laughs) All right, permission granted. Okay, if if I manage to pull that off, I am officially appointing Roxy my successor. All right, fair enough. Eniash. What's your troop deployment? Uh, my troop deployment is that a lot of people ask why they're so lucky in the world, specifically rationalists, because we're all so intelligent and successful and sexy. And it's, uh, you know, it can be hard to to figure out why we're so awesome at life. Uh, and a lot of people come away with the answer, I, we're just lucky, I guess. Uh, Sam Harris specifically is the person I think about most when I think about this. He says, like, you had no control over any of the factors that made you you. And quite honestly, humans don't even have free will. Uh, is where he goes with it in the end. Uh, Which, you know, I don't like that at all. I have my own arguments against that. But um, I disagree. I I think that when you say everything was just luck, you are absolutely denying a lot of hard work that other people did. And it's 
kind of shitty to do that. Um, I am in the wealthiest nation in the world, and uh, I you could say that that is just dumb luck, but it, it's not just dumb luck. Uh, my parents went through a lot of hell to escape Soviet Poland and bring me here. And quite frankly, almost everyone has some sort of luck of that kind where, yeah, I, I'm lucky to have been born to this family that uh, supported me or lucky to have been born in this place where I'm wealthy or lucky to have been uh, born without these diseases. A lot of that luck, that was actually somebody else putting a lot of effort into making sure that you had various abilities and various good die rolls. They th were throwing lottery tickets at you. Um, even if you were born in the U.S., that wasn't just luck. There was at some point a few hundred years ago where a bunch of people sat down and said, we're going to try to make a new country with these new laws. Let's hope it goes somewhere well. And also we're going to have to fight the British and a lot of us are going to have to die for this to happen. Like they, there was a lot of effort and sacrifice that came and risk. Like they didn't know these laws were going to work out and make the richest country on earth. Uh, they, they were trying something new. Uh, and just saying, oh, I'm just lucky, I guess, really, really denigrates all the work that a lot of other people did to get you this luck. Uh, I do think that, that we have decided we would rather uh, just say the gods of fate have blessed us than acknowledge that we have some sort of debt to older people. And not necessarily infinite debt. Obviously, I hate the infinite debt idea, but it's good to maybe every now and then look back and say, a lot of people did a lot for me, and I'm thankful for that. And you know what? Maybe you got shitty luck. Maybe your parents were fucked up and abused you, in which case you should absolutely curse them for the shit luck that they gave you. But again, recognizing that other people made a lot of choices that helped us to get where we are is, uh, is much better than just attributing it to a vague, impersonal force and uh, throwing it in the hands of God. All right. Thank you, Eniash. <clears throat> My troop deployment this episode is about love. Aww. And specifically, it's that loving others requires loving yourself. Mm. Now, it's a, been a trope for decades that you have to love yourself before you can really love someone else. But it's true. A truly loving someone is not about viewing them as better than you or above you. That's just putting someone on a pedestal. It's worship, and it sets a person fundamentally apart from you. Love isn't about seeing the other person as equal to you. That's a necessary part of it, but it's way too broad. Many people are my equal, though nobody on this podcast. <laughs> Very few of whom I love in the sense that I'm talking about. And love also isn't about what the other person can give you or do for you. That's just viewing people as objects or need fulfillment machines. It sets up a transactional relationship where your feelings are purchased or traded for. Loving someone is about seeing them as part of yourself. It's expanding your identity to include them. Your whole sense of who you are broadens to include the other person. When you think about what you want, what you deserve, or what will make you happy, you intuitively include the other person in that. From an internal family systems perspective, they are incorporated as a sub-personality. From a methods of rationality perspective, you have a copy of them living in your head. So if you don't love yourself, when your sense of self includes other people, you won't love them either. If you hate yourself, you'll hate them. If you fear yourself, you'll fear them. If you think cruelty is justified against you, you'll feel that cruelty is justified against them. So care for yourself. It's the only way to truly care for your loved one. Hmm. That was a really good troop deployment. All right. Thank you for listening. Please follow us wherever you follow podcasts and subscribe on Substack. It's cheap. It's, it's like five bucks a month and you'll get 
episodes early, you'll get access to bonus episodes, and you'll get into our subscriber-only Discord channel, where you can come and talk about love. <laughs> come back in two weeks, same rat time, same rat channel. Bye. Bye.